Hello, folks. Wonderful to be with you again. My name is Nolan Ruby. I'm the pastor of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and this is the On Being Christian Podcast. I believe this is podcast number six, and the On Being Christian Podcast is a ministry of Wasatch Front Baptist Church. Uh, now, just to set the table here with you, I actually had a different podcast prepared for today concerning the story of Christmas, but I think that we're going to push that out one week because I'd like to sort of set the table for that concerning the ministry of Jesus Christ. I'd like to set that table a little bit and talk to you about a different concept today. I'd like to talk to you about what is simply entitled a conversation with Christ. A conversation with Christ. Now, as a way to introduce this, I think if I were to ask you to tell me, what is the most popular verse in the Bible? You probably just had John 3.16 flash through your mind. This is the verse that you'll see on billboards. This is the verse that you'll see on cardstock signs at big sporting events and things like that. Sometimes I know there used to be athletes that would put John 3.16 in white lettering underneath their eyes in the black eye paint and things like that. So this is a pretty popular verse, which simply says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think most of you would know that verse. But what I would like to talk to you about today is the fact that that verse actually, folks, comes in at the end of a conversation that had started some time before. It's not a standalone verse in the fact that it was just issued for no particular reason, although it can be used as a standalone verse. It is a part of a conversation that's taking place between a man named Nicodemus and our Lord Jesus Christ. And what I'd like to talk to you about just here briefly is what that conversation looked like. It was an interesting conversation. And so if we jump back to the beginning of John chapter 3, I think we might find it most uh, helpful to us to understand how we got to the point in the conversation between these two men where John 3.16 was issued. And so if we start in John chapter 3 and verse 1, I'll read 1 and 2. The Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So you have this kind of preamble, this introductory um icebreaker of a question that Nicodemus has laid out there. One of the things I want you to notice before we go too far into this, what's interesting is that Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, by night. I think I told you about a man that I once, and I still know, Bob Harbin. Uh, I used to, in the podcast number one, we talked about his influence in my life. Um, been playing chess with him basically once a year for the better part of 20 years. 
He used to be a pastor in the Iowa area for a long time, and now he's an evangelist. He once told me that he preached a message uh, right out of this chapter, and he entitled it Nick at Night, and I just found that hilarious. But that's the type of guy he is. He always sees those angles. Anyway, this is when Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ. He came at night. You have to ask yourself, why did he come at night? Well, I think the answer is in the context of his reputation. Because the Bible says, a man of the Pharisees, in verse 1, talking about Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Ruler is a term that means first in rank or power. It's, all, it's almost like a term for magistrate or even prince. And so you have Nicodemus, who had a political religious affiliation that put him in positions of influence and power, and yet he's interested in this rebel, Jesus Christ. He's interested. Not so interested that he's willing and ready to throw his entire uh, reputation away, his entire career, influence, connectivity, all those things. He's not quite ready to do that. But he is interested, and so he tries to have a conversation with Jesus Christ, but he tries to have it in the most private way possible. And <laughs> this is common, folks. This is common. A lot of times when people become interested in Christ and they start having questions with Christ, they, uh, they attempt to get quick answers in a private way, so that they don't quite lose their reputation. Always interesting. And so this first point that I'd like to talk about here, I've entitled it simply an interested man's question. So within this conversation with Christ, the first thing that we see is this interested man, the interested man being Nicodemus. We see his question, and his question is simply, um, what's going on here? He says, "What's verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for man uh, can do the, no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now you're going to say, I don't see a question there. It's almost like a, it's a, he's flirting with him a little bit. He's flattering him a little bit. Um, he's setting the table, kind of thinking, well, I need to soften up some things. Um, and you can sense kind of some interests, a, a question coming. And um, what's interesting is the response that Jesus has. Now, before we get into the response, I want you to notice that he calls him rabbi. In verse 2, came to Jesus by night, rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. Rabbi is a term for a master or a, an office or a title holder. And then teacher is a term for simply an instructor, specifically a master or a doctorate level instructor. Now, what's interesting to me is that we tend to most readily, by our own, by our own desire, put Jesus Christ within a box that we can understand. And so it's no surprise to me that this Jewish ruler is referring to Jesus Christ as a rabbi or a teacher or a ruler. In other parts of the Bible, you can see warriors 
uh, refer to God in the in the sense of a warrior. Those who are very gentle and meek tend to gravitate and see the gentleness of God, the gentleness of Christ. And so you have someone very clearly trying to manage this conversation before Christ even says a word. He's very much trying to set the table in accordance with the boxes or the categorizations that he would desire to put Christ in. Now, what's interesting is that Christ, it's almost, according to the answer that we're about to look at, it's almost as if Christ knew that this was a question, not just a flattery icebreaker of an like a preamble in a conversation. He went directly to the answer and issued the answer as if that was actually what was being asked. And you see that in verse 3, the Bible simply says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, from the outside, it would seem that verse 3 doesn't really answer or isn't even really relevant to what Nicodemus is saying. But because Christ looks on the heart, he doesn't look on the outward aspects of humanity. He looks on the heart. What you'll see is that Nicodemus responded incredibly quickly to the answer because the answer was actually what Nicodemus was thinking about. Now, before we get to that, I want to draw your attention to the way he said this statement. He started it off with very, uh, excuse me, verily, verily. Verily, verily is a statement opener showing strong affirmation for what is to follow. It means most assuredly or very most truly. So verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Christ takes the statement made to him, of the acknowledgement of his teaching mastery as an opportunity to teach. He deals with us where we are. Now, what's the difference? Why am I saying that? What I want you to understand is that Christ deals with you where you are, not where you think you are. And sometimes there's a huge difference between who you think you are and who you actually are. There's a big difference between where you think you are in your own maturity and where you actually are. Christ will always deal with you where you actually are. If you're having a really hard time being honest with yourself about who you are and where you are, you're going to have a really hard time dealing with Christ. Because Christ doesn't deal in falsehoods. He only deals in truth. And so he says you must be born... Again, now, let's look at the third idea of this. So if we have an interested man's question, interested man being Nicodemus, number two, we have an honest man's answer, the honest man being Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ gives his honest answer, let's look at the third thing now. We have an interested man's confusion. Nicodemus just immediately acknowledges, yes, that's what I was thinking about, And that's really what I want to talk about. And he asks a very simple question in verse 4. 
Nicodemus in verse 4 saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? One gets the idea, like I already said, that Nicodemus was not taken off guard by this thought, but rather had real questions about how this all worked. The statement from Christ went directly to the issue at hand with specific concern for the person he was talking to. Christ knew where Nicodemus was, quote-unquote, stuck, and went straight there. And so Christ said, you must be born again, and Nicodemus said, how? How, how, what, what are you talking about? How does that work? He, he, he was very open, very instantly interested in what Jesus Christ was talking about. He, he, logically, systematically, this is where Nicodemus said, I don't understand this. And by the way, Nicodemus is not a, a dumb person. He's a very acknowledged um, person within his culture as having accomplished enough to give him some clout, to give him some authority, to give him a title, and he's not, he's not dumb. A lot of times, I think we, we attempt to put Christ in a box, and the box that we attempt to put Christ in is never bigger than our own perspective of understanding. And so if I'm trying to make sense of who Christ is, I'm going to test all of my boxes, all of these boxes that I have experience with, whether it's you know my personal life experience, um, whether it's my education level, whether it's my ethnicity, am I American, am I a minority, am I a majority, what am I? Uh, and I'm going to put Jesus Christ into that, and I'm going to try to understand him in a way that makes sense to my very, very restricted and limited viewpoint. And folks, I don't care how educated you are, in comparison to the creator of the universe, there's no box that you could put Christ in big enough. Okay? And so that's what Nicodemus is trying to do here. So we have this conversation with Christ, starting with an interested man's question. And then it went into an honest man's answer. And then it went to an interested man's confusion. He's very confused by Christ's answer, and he, and he makes that confusion known. So now let's look at the fourth thing here, an honest man's clarification. And so Jesus Christ is going to clarify what he just told to Nicodemus, and that's found in John chapter 3, 5 through 8. The Bible says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. So very interesting when he says this. He says, now, there's a lot of, in Christendom as a whole, there's a lot of debate about verse 6, or excuse me, verse, verse 5, when he talks about um, being born of water and being born of spirit. Now, I don't know why that debate's there, because the clarification is immediately evident in verse 6. So let me walk you through this very briefly. In verse 5, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and then in reference to the new birth, or being born again, he says, and of spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
And then he clarifies that in verse 6 by saying, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So if I understand the flow of this conversation, the context of verse 6 explains what verse 5 is telling me. To exist in the flesh, I must have at some point first been born in the flesh, that is by water. To exist in the spirit, I must at some point have to have been born into the spirit. For what is of the flesh exists in the flesh, and what is of the spirit exists in the spirit. And that which exists in the spirit has to have at some point been born again. And that's what Jesus Christ is explaining to Nicodemus. He's breaking this down. Nicodemus is putting it into a logical perspective where he can understand it humanly speaking. And Jesus Christ is saying, no, what the, the perspective of this that makes most sense isn't going to be perceived with logic. It's going to be perceived with faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a, re- a rewarder of them that diligently seek them, seek him, excuse me. So, in other words, you don't come to God interested, ask him to describe himself, and then choose to have, quote-unquote, faith in that which you can understand. You come to Christ, you come to God interested, and then by faith, not by sight, but by faith in who he is, I have understanding not by sight. You say, well, wouldn't it just make more sense for God to just simply describe himself to me so that I can understand him instead of this declaring of himself to me and then asking me to have faith in who he is? Well, again, humanly speaking, considering the boxes that we like to put things in, I would agree, yes, it makes more sense. But what if God can't be understood by our mind? What if God can't be understood in our comprehension, which the Bible says he can't? What is, what is left? What do I do then? Well, that's why the Bible is so important. That's why the Word of God, that's why the doctrine of God is so important with respect to the fact that it is through faith that I have a relationship with God. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the hall of faith, quote-unquote, and towards the end of that chapter it says that without faith it is impossible to please him. Folks, I have a relationship through God by faith, and this is what Nicodemus is having a hard time with. He's a smart guy. He's an accomplished guy. He's a successful guy, and the Lord's saying all of that isn't going to do anything for you with me. It's by faith. The new birth is by faith, not by sight. It's, it's by the righteousness of God accepted by faith, not by the righteousness of men accomplished by works. Our works can't accomplish righteousness in the first place. And so this, this very clear uh, clarification, if you will, Jesus Christ says, Marvel not, in verse 7, that I said unto you, or that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So he says, you should not be surprised that I'm telling you this. You can understand that which exists in the flesh was born of the flesh, and in that same way the new birth means that which exists in the spirit 
is born of the Spirit. So don't be surprised or marvel not that I say unto thee, thou must be born again. Folks, there's a lot of Bible on this, but for time's sake, I'm just going to leave it there and we'll move on to this fifth point. And so as we, as we break down this conversation, you're going to see it go back and forth between Nicodemus and Jesus Christ. It starts with, though a little bit of subtlety, with Nicodemus coming by night. It starts with him sort of trying to break the ice and, and flatter Jesus Christ a little bit. That's the interested man's question. It moves on to Jesus Christ, the honest man, going directly after the heart of the matter, an honest man's answer. And he just tells him, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you got to be born again. It goes on to an interested man's confusion. That's Nicodemus saying, how is this possible? He's trying to put Jesus Christ in the boxes that make sense to him. He's trying to put this into a realm that he can quantify it and do the math and do the science and come away with a logical perspective. And Jesus Christ's answer to that idea was a clarification of who he is and who Nicodemus is not. He said, listen, this isn't going to be something that you can quantify and calculate. This isn't going to be a matter for the actuaries. You're going to accept this by faith. The Spirit exists because of what's born into it. Or, or, excuse me, you exist in the Spirit because you're born into it, just in the exact same way that existing in the flesh means that you were born into it. So being born again is very clearly understood when you take it from the perspective of a second birth, meaning being born um, after you're being born by the, by the flesh. So then this, the fifth thing, uh, we have Nicodemus's answer to Christ's clarification. You have an interested man's conviction. And so you see in John chapter 3 and verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? So you sort of see Nicodemus kind of throw his hands up here, and he just says, Lord, can I paraphrase, folks? You won't be too terribly mad at me if I paraphrase. Lord, what are you talking about? How? 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 How can these things be? What do you, and he's, he's, very, he's showing a lot of vulnerability here. He's showing a lot of confusion, but he's not angry. He's not turned away. He's just saying, Lord, help me. How can these things be? You see the same type of response in John chapter 6. In verse 52, it says um, that they strove among themselves. This was in response to something Jesus Christ had said about salvation, and and the folks that he had said it to, the Bible says they strove among themselves. And then in verse 52, they asked the same question, John 6, 52, how can this be? In verse 60, those same folks said, this is a hard saying. In verse 63, it's those same folks that says the, the, the flesh profiteth nothing. The spirit is quickened, but the flesh profiteth nothing. So these folks were looking at these things, and they were saying, how can these things be? Same thing that Nicodemus is saying. How can this be? They went on to say, this is a hard saying. And Sometimes, folks, when Christ is dealing with you, or when you're dealing with Christ, you have this question, how can this be? How? And that's okay. Christ is not intimidated by our lack of of understanding. In fact, 
our lack of understanding is exactly why Christ came to do what he did, to give us the freedom within him to actually understand. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. No, excuse me, I'm misquoting that. It's, it's the first part of Hebrews. I know I've been talking about Hebrews chapter 11 here a little bit, but let me just go over there to make sure that I can quote it correctly, because now that I've started it incorrectly, you know I'll say it wrong. Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. For by it, talking about faith, the elders obtained a good report. And then it goes on to talk about all of these things that faith accomplished. But if we just look at verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance is a word that means something real. I can, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that produces a, an effect. It's a cause that produces an effect. And so faith is the substance, the cause that produces the effect, and the effect is things hoped for, things that I can't put inside a box, things that I can't logically describe. And then it says, talking about faith, that it's the evidence of things not seen. Now, you and, my, you and I, as soon as we hear the word evidence, we get the picture of Sherlock Holmes and his magnifying glass, and his acute sense of smell and sight as he scours the path of the criminal looking for clues. But when we're dealing with Jesus Christ, there's no path of clues, folks. It's just faith. faith it's uh, the evidence of things not seen is faith. Faith gives me the evidence. Logic can't give me the evidence. I think Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ by night because he was looking for evidence that logic couldn't help him find. He had a hope of, of eternal forgiveness that um, culture and accomplishment and, and clout wasn't giving him. And so he started this conversation off with Christ, and now we're brought to a point where he just simply says, how can these things be? And as we just looked at in John chapter 6, it's a common question. When people get to the end of their rope, they go to Christ. How can these things be? The wonderful part of this story is the rest of the story. John chapter 3, starting in verse 10, Jesus very patiently and very compassionately answers through confrontation Nicodemus's question. Starting in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so Jesus Christ begins to answer very compassionately Nicodemus's confusion, 
and he invokes things that Nicodemus knows very well. The story of Moses in the desert. He's, there was a story recorded in the Bible about serpents that were um, descended upon the children of Israel, and these they were dying. And he was told to take a serpent and, and erect a serpent on a pole, and that whosoever would look on the serpent would live. And he's now telling him, Jesus Christ is telling Nicodemus, that this was a picture of what Jesus Christ himself would have to go through, that he himself would be lifted up, and that whosoever would look on him and believe should have everlasting life. And this is the point of the conversation, that the oh-so-famous verse comes into play. But now look at this verse from the, uh, excuse me, from the perspective of the understanding of the context that we just went through. So you have all of this conversation with Christ taking place. It's, it's a conversation between a confused man, Nicodemus, but he's interested, and an honest man, Jesus Christ. And after all of this contextual information, he then says in chapter 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He goes on to say, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's so much compassion there. Jesus Christ tells Nicodemus, listen, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to to punish you. I'm here to save you. That's what the new birth is. I'm from above. I came down from my Father, and my job, my calling, my heart's desire is to give you eternal life. This is Jesus Christ's answer to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a very accomplished, smart individual who's having a hard time categorizing Christ. And when Nicodemus comes to him, as it were by night, with an honest and open heart, Jesus Christ goes directly to the heart of the matter. And that's the confusion inside of Nicodemus's heart and mind and soul. And Jesus Christ tells him, listen... You have to do this. You must be born again. It's not about who you are, Nicodemus. It's not about how good of a guy you are. It's never been about that. If you've not been born again, then you don't exist in the spirit of life, and you will die, and you will be separated from God forever. And eternal separation from God, folks, that is hell. And so this is Jesus Christ confronting Nicodemus. If you look at verse 18, Jesus Christ continues to answer. He says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten of the Son of God. So he tells Nicodemus, you're not going to do something that's going to send you to hell except not believe. The only thing that you can do to be eternally separated from God is not to believe by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only thing worthy of hell. Everything else can be forgiven. Everything else is forgiven. The only question is whether or not I have accepted that forgiveness. Verse 19 says, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, 
and that men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Incredible section of scripture here. Christ goes on for 11 verses in his confrontation of Nicodemus. But notice that it was Nicodemus who invited the confrontation of Christ. Now, why is that important? Because Christ didn't target Nicodemus and go after him and say, here, you're going to listen to me. Christ confronted Nicodemus. Now, this is important. Listen to this. Christ confronted Nicodemus when Nicodemus asked to be confronted. Christians, hear my heart on this. We have a duty to be a witness for the cause of Jesus Christ. But I think that too often we think that that makes us superior to people, and that is not the case. There's nothing superior about Christians. There's only the superior one. That's it. Christ is superior. He's the only one that's superior. And that superiority allows me to be forgiven of my sins by his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. I am not to go around looking down my very long self-righteous nose at those who have not accepted Christ. It's exactly the opposite. My life is to be a witness for the cause of Christ, but my words are to be compassionate and respectful and loving and uplifting. I can't condone or stand for things that the Bible says I, that, that I have to stand against, but that doesn't mean that I can't be respectful and compassionate and loving to people because people are just people. And there's not one person more superior on this earth to another. Christ understood that. Christ didn't go after Nicodemus. Christ didn't take it personal that Nicodemus was coming to him in the seclusion of the night. Christ just loved him, answered his questions honestly, answered his questions with intent that Nicodemus might come to the end of himself and ask Christ to save him. Might it be possible for us to witness more for Christ by being interesting enough people bring their questions to us? Let me ask that again and see if I can't put the emphasis of where I would more like it to be. Might it be possible for us to witness more effectively for the cause of Christ by being interesting enough that people would would ask us questions, which would allow us to witness about Christ versus the attempt to quote-unquote sell Christ, which I think is all too often the case. The Bible says that Christ said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So what's my job? My job is just simply to live Jesus Christ out loud, to lift him up on the pedestal that he deserves to be lifted up upon. And through that, I leave the rest in his hands. 
The Bible also says, be, uh, be ready to give an answer always for the hope that lies within you. And so if I'm living my life by the power of Jesus Christ, my life is going to create interest. And if I'm doing it right, it will create interest in who Jesus Christ is, not in who I am. Big difference there, isn't there? Big difference. And so as we um, look back at this conversation, you see it started with an interested man's question, and it started with an and, and it continued, or it took the next step with an honest man's answer. The interested man being Nicodemus, and the honest man being Jesus Christ. It then moved into Nicodemus um, expressing his confusion, and then Jesus Christ offering clarification. It then moved into Nicodemus. Um, being in or under conviction, which then gave Jesus Christ to utter the verse in context that we're all so familiar with, John uh, 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, that's how I end conversations with people. That's not how I start them. You say, well, how do you start conversations with people? Become an interesting person. Become a Christian that doesn't live their Christianity by night. Remember, the purpose of this podcast is try to, ch- to change our idea. Christianity has become a noun. <clears throat> it's something that I claim which is not relevant or, or, or uh, acknowledged by any way in which I live. I can just simply say that I'm a Christian, and you have to believe that. But that's not really what the Bible says. The Bible says that Christianity is much more of a verb. It's a life lived for a cause bigger than yourself. It's a life lived for the purposes of Jesus Christ. How can I be a Christian, which means one who follows Christ, if I follow Netflix and Disney Channel and Amazon Prime more than I follow him? How can I follow Jesus Christ if the most important thing in my life is very clearly my career? I've asked you this before. If becoming or if being a Christian became illegal tomorrow, would anyone pursue you? Would anyone, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And so here we have this conversation with Christ. It's an incredibly encouraging conversation because you don't see Jesus Christ immediately um, uh, trying to sell something. He just simply connects with a person on a real level. Folks, that's what being a Christian is all about, conversations with people. And this is a sad time in which we've been asked to have conversations with people because it seems like more and more people are afraid to talk to people. We, we, can, we can text at each other all day long, and we can use emojis and half-written words and paraphrases and euphemisms, and we tweet at each other, and we post pictures as unrealistic as they may be on our Instagram accounts, and we put these beautiful portrayals, all of them being lies, up on our Facebook accounts, and we pretend to be other people on TikTok or whatever, nonsensical social media platform you can think of. We all have of these make-believe lives where we're putting out a picture of ourself and it's not real. And I believe that as we approach uh, the day and age in which the Lord's called us to serve Him, 
People are looking for people who are real. Folks, are you real? Can you have a conversation with somebody about how much Jesus Christ loves them? Can you tell somebody from the Bible how to get saved? How to accept Jesus Christ and be born again? Or maybe you need that. Maybe that's what Jesus Christ is trying to do for you right now. Folks, I'd love to talk to you if you have any questions. You can get on, again, wasatchfrontbaptistchurch.com. Get on that contact link. Send me an email. Let me know if I can help you at all. I will answer. I promise. And if there's anything else that I can do, you just let me know. I'm going to close this out, and I'll be with you shortly as we transition into the Christmas story. I told you at the beginning of this that that was actually the one that has been put together, and I'm really, really looking forward to that one. And you say, well, how much? I mean, I kind of heard that story. I know. I know. That's usually what we think. But the Bible has a way of making us second question things that we thought we knew. And so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be done for this, and I'll see you next time, or I'll talk to you next time as we as we get ready to look at the Christmas story. Father, thank you so much for having conversations with us. Thank you so much for talking to our hearts, Lord. We can't do any of these things. There's nobody that can reach into our heart. There's not a man on earth that can reach into our hearts and create that burning conviction that we need you. So thank you so much for using the Word of God to do that. And as we close out, Father, we do again totally and completely leave these things in your hands, unable to please you in our own selves, unable to be effective without you. Give us purpose and cause and give us strength and courage to to accept the purpose and cause that you give us. Father, we leave these things in your hands. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.